We scanned your ship. You brought a third life form to our planet. Yeah. That's Grudge. Grudge. Felis caddis, a domestic species of small, carnivorous mammal. You claim to understand our culture, yet you bring a carnivore to our world. Domestic. I said domestic. She's my pet. She lives on my ship. I feed her, love her, give her cat treats. Is she grateful? No. No. In no way. It's a bad attitude. Yet you expect us to be. No. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> have you come to make pets of us? We haven't come He's to make you anything. Idea. Let me explain. Uh, she's, she's a, a queen. queen. You hold a monarch captive? Oh, no. No, 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 no. No. Oh. It is Emperor not like that. Liu, we have the I utmost respect for, for you. For, for sure. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Adam Bowen, and with me, spinning unnecessarily, are... <laughs> Notch Garnick. Rudy Kisbaker. Welcome to Strange New Takes, where we're reviewing episodes of this strange new era of Star Trek, and, like, now we've interrupted the previous series that we were watching, and we were so excited, and, like, now we're, now we're just right back in here with Discovery. So... Uh, today we're going to be covering the first episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery, Kobayashi Maru. You know how they say Tepeklila, like, it's, uh, you know, it hasn't felt like it's been four seasons. It really has felt like it's the fourth season. So, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know that. Uh, well, you, what you should do, though, is ask your friends to listen to our podcast if you like it. And make sure to follow us on social media. Send us a little ping with your feelings on our on our takes, on our episodes. We won't hate you if you tell us we're full of shit. Uh, be nice about it, please. <laughs> we do have feelings still. <laughs> um, your, your podcast hosts are humans, it yeah. turns out. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, do, do let us know what you think about our show. And if you want to do that on Apple Podcasts, you can put in a five-star rating uh, on that platform also if your other podcast providers have that function please do it it helps us appear a little bit higher when someone's when someone puts into a google search or other searches hey i want to listen to a star trek podcast find me a list of them uh so we always appreciate you going in and rating us it takes just a minute to do it and just like all our other episodes um we will spoil this episode um not sure how much we can do that but yeah we will spoil this episode and and maybe other parts of trek lore and and sci-fi in general or even you know maybe the the real world kind of non-fiction stuff who knows but um it's all if you can stuff. spoil the real world i really need you <laughs> to tell me how you are spoiling the real world because i i would like there's things i want to know about what's coming next okay i'm just saying <laughs> i can tell you what's going to happen in this season of discovery broadly um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but getting back on track yeah hopefully it Keep, gets you invigorated to watch other types of shows and get more into track so uh, you're warned to be forewarned. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll try not to spoil the episode any more than the episode might have already done for you uh, just mm -hmm. by watching it. So uh, yeah, with, with that, I think we're going to go straight into uh, uh, 
this is the part where I read that little square of uh, what the episode is. So the episode is Kobayashi Maru. This is the first episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. It was first aired on the 18th of November, 2021, at the same time as the as the episode of uh, Prodigy happened. So uh, we've been studying overtime, y'all. Like, we, <laughs> we are watching so much Star Trek so that we can produce uh, all these podcasts. It's so. a burden. It's, it's really a burden. <laughs> but but it's, it, it, is, it is our cross to bear, you know. So uh, there, there we go. Uh, it was written by Michelle Paradise, Jenny Lumet and Alex Kurtzman, uh, directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi, and the in-universe date is, uh, I don't know, uh, but it's probably 3190, so uh, at the very least, that's that's what we're getting. Uh, so I, this is the point where I'm pretty sure that I say, hey, everybody, uh, d- do you have strange new takes for me? Yeah, well, you know, if you can find a lake, you should go and sit in a <laughs> Rudy's like, what the hell? Why are you laughing? Um, hopefully, dear listener, you've listened to our Prodigy episode, and so you know why. Um, my actual strange new take is it's kind of funny to be recording two separate episodes on the same day and have to have like two separate strange new takes. Like, it's a lot of pressure, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Isn't yeah. that strange in itself? Shouldn't that be your strange new take? It should, but then I do have an actual one that's really quick, which is. I have now discovered that there is a saturation point of your live, laugh, love type motivational uh, images, pieces of wood or whatever you can hang around the house. There is a point at which it becomes too much. Uh, Hopefully you don't reach that point after you've purchased all these little knickknacks. Well, and I mean, uh, Notch, I hate to break it to you, but the reality is there is much more live, laugh, lake that you can experience. (laughs) And, uh, it was the, the last time I did this. That, that place was absolutely <laughs> plastered with it. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I, I, uh, with, with, I'm sorry, y'all. I try to be very positive, and in fact, I've got into arguments online with people who hate Discovery, being like, "No, you should give it a shot," and it's not bad and stuff. This episode, I. I can't say good things about it. I, I really apologize. Adam has tried very hard, and I think he has good things to say about it. I don't, sadly. I really tried. And I'm going to really try and be sincere um, about it. And I, I I, will do my best not to just... if, if here, Dear co-hosts, if you hear me going off on like negative rants and just being one of those YouTube people, here's why I hate all of new Trek, please pull me back and tell me. I mean, the, the good thing is I have a mute button right here that I can just push and then you'll stop talking. <laughs> Unfortunately, Rudy will then have to take up the podcast because that's also my mute button. But you know what? It, 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 it's a, a measure of last resort. So, uh, yeah. OK, so, yeah, this this is the part. Uh, 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 what's something that I didn't say an hour ago? Uh, so, yeah, let's see. For my strange new take. uh you know what? Um, uh, sometimes if you watch an episode of Star Trek and it, it, it isn't great and you're, 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 you're wondering like, wait, why am I so like, can I, I, there's certainly something that I can get out of this and that I can, I can feel, feel good. What just watch it again, put on a different, different mindset and there, Mm. you can get something out of it. So I, 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 uh, I guess that was a real world. That was both an in-universe and an out-universe take. I don't also know. Also kind of a subtweet of the guy he's sitting next to. 
<laughs> but you know what? Uh, I think a, a second watching of this episode actually works a little bit better than, than the first yeah. one. I, I knew the disappointments that I was in for. <laughs> and so I was able to just like go go a little bit deeper and hopefully we'll be able to sell something out of that with this. Mm, mm. Congratulations and commiserations for all of y'all who went to do went through two uh, watches of that episode. Um, love it. Yeah. Um, so my strange new take. Um, have we have we talked about Dune here yet? I don't think so in any of the strange new takes. So just a quick call out for the recent Dune movie. Um, I read the book. Um, I don't know how many decades ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of sequels. Um, watch the 1984 movie. I think the one that Frank Herbert himself um, put a lot into. Uh, it was decent. And then the TV series, um, and then the TV series that was a sequel after Dune called Children of Dune or something. They're all pretty good. Decent. Strong storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that came in recently for me um, is the best visual rendition of Dune, and this is production value and technology aside, the best visual rendition of Dune um, I've I've seen so far. I'm super excited about it. Um, now, some people do say that it's just uh, good old Timothy Xiaomi having uh, teen issues and a bunch of Zendaya perfume ads, but uh, um, <laughs> but I really like this Dune, and it, it helps. Uh, con- it, it takes imagination to another level. Um, because I've imagined a lot of Dune, and, and this this really worked for me. Um, I, I mean, you you know what? I we, I think we have time. You know, uh, let's just pivot. This this can be a Dune podcast. <laughs> <between> us, <so. laughs> well, I I think we've we've all seen it. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm I right haven't actually. You haven't? Yeah, okay, not yet. I've read Dune, but I haven't watched this new movie. I, I mean, I, I I fully recommend it too. Like the 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 visuals in this are absolutely stunning. It's just <laughs> pull up the description on Wikipedia. <laughs> episode uh, movie summary. Um, all right, this episode um, of the Discovery um, season four pilot. Right, this episode. What can I say? I can say that. Um, there are pieces that I really, really hope they focus on and salvage, uh, taking forward, um, mm-hmm. uh, bring Saru into the mix, um, and uh, bring some of the core species in. They were trying to do something interesting there. Uh, they kind of just left it uh, loose. So, hey, guess what? The next episode can be the uh, recovery pilot. I, I mean, we, we've seen an absolutely terrifying looking Ferengi uh, that's in the trailer. So I, I, you'll get a little bit of that at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, I, I, I guess right right now I'll just get in with the episode summary. So uh, after four or after four, after months spent re, uh, reconnecting the Federation with distant worlds, Captain Michael Burnham and the crew of the USS Discovery are sent to assist a damaged space station, a seemingly routine mission that reveals the existence of a terrifying new threat that is very different from all the other terrifying new threats that we've experienced in the show so far. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I I think now we can just sort of uh, op- open up the floor here a, a little bit. Um, but I, I want to get in what, one thing that uh, uh, I noticed is that 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 first moment where we get into the the last season on Star Trek Discovery, uh, this show. I mean, may, this probably goes for a lot of science fiction shows. They don't make any darn sense when you try to sum them up in like <laughs> a minute and a half without a narration. <laughs> yeah, it's just. 
uh, the the plot seems so uh, so all over the place when you when you make sure to uh, like <laughs> try to include every single possible thing that happened in the previous episode or in the previous season. So um, that was just a, a a fun little experience for me getting into that. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, right right at the start here, uh, we get right in to seeing some interesting butterfly people. Uh, so what, what did you all think of uh, that? That is sort of an entrance into this episode. I um Well, it was a very Avatar-like start, right? With some, you know, cocoon, pupae kind of thing. Yeah, um, Float, floating you know, island you know, things. Um, and Dark, you know, uh, subdued lighting and all of that. And then we saw these um, butterfly and they never gave him a species name right and they just kind of left their butterfly people i don't, I don't think uh i i think there was a there was a brief mention but i i don't have it uh i didn't mm. write it down um but yeah, yeah it, it, was, it, it was a fleeting encounters <laughs> um <laughs> i actually thought initially until those butterflies started to accumulate as as wings um i initially thought there was there was a weird sense of an Endorian in them, like I remember yeah, there was like we, this Endorian subspecies in Enterprise at some point in time that are really quiet and in the really cold. We we're gonna get of, we we're gonna get a member from them in Strange New Worlds as a main character. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought yeah. that, and then I saw all this butterfly, you know, stuff happening in the wings and in the eyes, and then I was like, yeah, that's not probably the there's no <laughs> relation there. So yeah we, yeah, we actually had the I I had the exact same feeling. Like, wait, is this are these uh. Yeah, I, I'd kind of forgotten that we have already seen uh, Andorians like in Discovery, and so like, yeah, this would like, but maybe there's an Andorian that doesn't have any antenna, and but no, I I don't think so. <laughs> so let l- let me let me start by saying that I think my reaction to this scene might have been influenced by my reading Wonderlands. You've heard me in this mm-hmm. on this podcast mm-hmm. before say how Wonderlands really sketched out the universe for me and made me understand the stakes, how the Federation had betrayed some species, how they had been not such a great thing, and why someone would be really pissed off when someone came on and said, we are the Federation, we come in peace. Which was which was the... That was that was that was Kral, not Kral, uh the, the um, main character in, in the first episode discovered Takuma, we come in peace. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so you know, it, we can we can see why I could see why that would piss people off. So when I saw that we were opening on another planet with Captain Burnham and Book encountering a species, I was like, oh shit, we're gonna get that. We're gonna find out how it feels to put back the Federation. We're gonna understand more about the Burn Society. No, it's a vehicle for some fucking jokes. Yeah. Like, about about Garage, which, great jokes, thanks. I, you know, it's funny. But, like, it just, we let down the gravity of one of, the, I feel like, the most important pieces of burn lore, which is that the Federation is unloved. They, they, they don't have friends. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest points of distinction between Discovery and the other shows. Maybe the writers are just going to write that away. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't feel like it. the aliens did react poorly. But, yeah. But, but I just... Can't you just focus on that and be serious and let like bring the viewers along on that part of the journey right away? Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a fair point here because we... If, if we had a... I think that there are really compelling reasons to distrust the, the Federation. And I, and I think that people would be fully within their right to do so at this point. We, uh, we have a good sense that uh, even before the, uh, if the, tr- if the book truly is canon uh, considered, 
uh, that the Federation was starting to crumble before the burn actually happened. It was starting to sort of draw back and care more about the core worlds than it did about sort of some of the outer uh, either colonies or member planets. And that just we have a... um, I would have been interested to see what a what a really difficult negotiation would be like to for someone who that we can think that they're completely reasonable as they are, um, you know, like pushing against our argument for like, can you join the Federation? Can you be our friends, please? And I'm just. Yeah, I I, I think you're right that we, we undermine that a little bit um, and we we put it into something where. Maybe it's just that these these butterfly people, they're too much of a pain in the ass and we can't trust them to be like reliable members of the Federation. Um, and and I, th- I think that's unfortunate. Yeah, and, and I think they make the butterfly, I don't like calling them butterfly people because it, it kind of underscores the point of trivializing them and the encounter and everything. <laughs> but, but it makes them come across as... as um, innocent and naive and childish and and as soon as they leave the dilithium and then they go back she's like she's burnham smiling and she's almost expecting this guy to message back and he does and she's all like yeah i knew that was coming and Mm -hmm. i mean they should be a little nervous about somebody leaving some stuff and um yeah so i also just want to add about that particularly because why isn't there any acceptance from the crew that this is not good the, 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 all these alien species hate us. Like, this is hard work. This isn't, like, some fun, like, woohoo, we're just out there, like, giving Dalithium away. Everything is great. No, you, you just had a diplomatic incident. Can we just take a second to realize that this is a serious freaking situation rather than being all smiley and it being perfect at the end? Yeah, and, and, I, and I guess part of what goes into that is that we, we sort of, we solve it almost immediately i mean it's a very burnham style of like that we uh, like not even that, that go there. the it is just a very simple solution that ends up happening and uh yeah i i think the whole like discovery lo- loves to have this like math is fucking awesome uh scene that they just do over and over and over again and i i, I just i don't think they need to keep beating that drum in every episode so I'll call out one good thing I think I liked about this whole sequence in the beginning, which was seeing Reese in the command chair. I think I really appreciated yeah. that. Discovery, one of Discovery's weaknesses, in my opinion, is that it's less of an ensemble show. And some of these other side characters have got a short shift yeah. in past seasons. So I am hopeful that at least seeing Reese as the maybe the first officer, I don't know, like mm-hmm. just, just showing up and taking over, we get more out of his character. Because he's him and Bryce have been two characters I've really wanted to hear more from. Uh, Bryce will at least not be in the next few episodes. He's he's as a consultant. He's been replaced by another officer. Um, yeah, but th- but th- there's definitely that sense that there's more. We're drawing out these other characters right. more. Like Owoshikun seem and Detmer both seem to have interesting things that, right. that to contribute. Right. And it's not just like, hey, con officer, can you do this thing for us? Like there's a. Um, we we're seeing the real skill that the, that both of them are like bringing to the situation and uh i yeah so i i i i'm feeling positive about that especially because we we really did start fleshing these characters out in season three uh, i i mean yeah i i think that some of these characters didn't even have names in the first uh, few episodes so it's a um it's i i'm hoping that this show gets a little bit 
more ensemble because I, I think that we have some incredible actors on this in this cast and they they're they're fully deserving of ha- having full storylines um so yeah just please give that to us uh, discovery um so i i i guess um i had a question for you if you were gonna if you're gonna move on from this thing yeah go ahead did either of you feel that the ease and confidence in which Brennan was, you know, working through her decisions on the ground and then as, as she beamed back up or as the, sh- whatever, that uh, bookship uh, docked again, mm-hmm. did that give you a sense of Chris Pine ease and comfort from the actual 2009 Kobayashi movie? So I thought they were trying to do something interesting there and connect the dots and then the chase mm-hmm. scene from overhead, the bird's eye view was a little bit of into the darkness startup. And so I was trying to connect it. I was really wanted to be like, oh, there's something happening here and I'm going to, I'm going to see it sort of hyperlink mm-hmm. or, or confluence, but then it didn't. I, I mean, I, I think that it's quite possible that that's something that's going on because we, um, I mean, we, we can get in, get like into homage it. Or, yeah. No, I, I, I think that Burnham, so we, we have transformed Burnham's character a whole lot through the course of season three and the Wonderlands book, I think, I think uh, was really great as sort of a, a background of like, why is Burnham different and why is Burnham like uncomfortable with uh, how things are going in the beginning of season three. Uh, and now we've sort of unlocked this much more confident, uh, uh, Captain Burnham that ha- like seems a lot more at ease with herself and is is a lot more um, just feeling fully capable of of handling a, a lot of these challenges. And I think that yeah, now we need to have a little bit more of a calibration of like okay, we've unlocked Burnham and sort of expanded her out. I think that there 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 is a case for having a okay, but you need to understand your limits because you you have. Uh, you've come to terms with some of the problems of your past, but uh, as the the president sort of is is talking to Burnham at the end of this episode, there are there are things that Burnham continuously do does that are uh, that can put the crew in danger and make it so that uh, she's not a worthy captain of the of the J or of the Voyager, <laughs> the J as is commonly known. Oh, is that? Okay, we'll talk about that in yes. a second. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I I think you're right in many ways, and this made a lot of sense to me. I think we did have lines that were written for Chris Pine's Kirk, basically, <laughs> Bur- as Burnham's lines. And we've already got a Chris Pine Kirk, you know? I, I, I don't know if it fits Burnham, but maybe it should, like... I, We'll just say I'll just say that I I think that what you just said helped me make a lot of sense of of the the like kind of issues. It, it felt very much like Star Trek two thousand nine mm-hmm. um, in many ways uh, with, with with some of the lines there. But um, I wish that we just got a little bit more of the gravity of the situations that they get into being talked about in a way that I would hear maybe y'all or myself talk about them. It feels sometimes, and that dialogue about the cat with the butterfly people was a Mm -hmm. good example. It just doesn't feel like something that I think people would say. It feels stilted. And this is going to be something I keep coming back to here, which is that the writing lets this episode down. I don't think the plot by itself is kind of um, horrible, although I didn't, particularly like it but 
the writing consistently just sounds like something and it sets up scenes that wouldn't actually they feel very constructed and the dialogue yeah. seems constructed well and, and and actually so this is something that i've been thinking about with because i i've noticed this quality to discovery maybe the whole time uh but at least especially as we got into the second half of season one where we're uh we're sort of coming up against the mirror universe uh uh, Terran Empire and like okay we need to now start making speeches at each other to like remind ourselves like what the Federation is about it sometimes it feels like half of the writing staff of this show are speech writers uh, and like what they're what they're wanting to recapture of uh, kind of like 90s Trek and is really something that I I loved about a lot of those those uh, episodes back then where yeah they have amazing speeches in them but the thing that happens is that they're often they feel earned because it's sort of a we've been building up to uh, this like singular moment where Riker or Picard like gives us a speech about like why we need to believe in this particular situation or we need to defend this type of this sort of ideal. And uh, it, it, it almost feels like Discovery is coming up with an excuse to like give a big speech about like all the sacrifices we've made and like how much we're in it for in it with each other and like how we're, we're going to win this and defeat the odds. And it just, I, I, I don't know if we need that constantly. I, that speech at Starfleet Academy was weird, man. <laughs> I just didn't, both of the speeches, I just was like, why, why, why is this scene? Like, why do we have this? And it felt very small too. Like it was like built up as like, we're going to like those three lines of dialogue. It was like, Starfleet Academy has gone back for 700 years. Like, it's going to be amazing. Like, and then first of all, I think it's important to note that Starfleet Academy is in the spinny uh, headquarters. It's not on earth. So it's not at the old Starfleet yeah. Academy. So that's, Again, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I would have loved some characters to dwell on that for a minute and be like, you know, why aren't we on Earth? You know, this is why. Like, it feels bad. So yeah. it, it to be a kind of bittersweet moment, recognizing that things are tough. Instead, we have our characters all on the balcony, smiling down benevolently, and we're all supposed to be, as viewers, be so happy that Starfleet Academy's back. And... I'm yeah. so, <laughs> there's more species in there. That did make me cry, actually. Didn't know that the Lorian still exists. But it's like, <laughs> this is so touching. And I was like, this ain't touching at all. It, they seem like a group of people in, in like a poorly animated 3D like hall. And I, I don't know, man. I I think well, this is one of those moments where I need to just step back and. Let well, I, 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 so you, you at least broached something that that's interesting. So the um. There's a bit of new technology uh, that they're using in uh, season four of Discovery. Uh, they have this AR wall that they have, that they've built up, and they they have a. Um, it sounds like it's a it's a pretty large stage that they had to or area that they had to be able to get to to build this. And the I don't know if you all have uh, have watched the the video and in that's included in the um, the ready room about it, but uh, basically it's. Uh, it is a piece of technology that's going to enable the actors to see some of the environment that is in the episode actually sort of be there. So they, they don't have to do a green screen of, of things like they can look around and see I'm in the shuttle bay. And uh, yes, of course, the, the there'll be extra graphics to make it look like the shuttles are actually 3D and like present uh, around the actors. But uh, one of the other things that uh, the director pointed out with this technology is that uh, we are going to be able to get a lot more takes uh, of each uh, scene sort of based on what the performances of the actors are because um, a difficulty with green screens is that 
it's really expensive to render out the full scene to be able to get multiple takes from an actor and then see how it goes. Whereas with, with this, we get, uh, there's not, that same editing process doesn't have to happen every single time. And so I, I think that this could unlock a lot of things for uh, sort of getting better performances out of out of Discovery and maybe helps them save money and go, or like have lots of interesting like locations they go to. Honestly, I don't know that I was that I felt that the performances were subpar or anything like that. So I, uh, but it, it's uh, I, I'm intrigued to see what they can use this with. I agree with you that it, it felt like the scenes that they used in this episode felt a little bit empty. It like kind of looks like they're just in a empty room with like a walls that are very far away. I think I think it's it's happiness and hope with depth versus shallow happiness right and i think it's it's coming across as well shallow is is a tough word so i wouldn't use that but mm. it's coming up across as a little uh, it could have had much more depth and meaning um, did any of y'all see aditya sahal anywhere and uh, nowhere in this uh, academy scene it would have been nice to have him there um yeah. i did a little bit of looking up there is no uh there's no news of adil hussain and a Discovery season four. Uh, oh, maybe, really? I I didn't realize that. There's no news that he's not in it, but there's just no news. Yeah. That it, I didn't come up with anything in 2021. Mm-hmm. The last thing I saw was <clears throat> Jan or Feb, which was you know season three. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Uh, maybe he's he's not around. Um, yeah, I I think that sense of emptiness and what you just called out about the like emotion having depth to it. Now I think that's making helping me make more sense of it. It just felt like a big empty shot like you were saying Adam mm-hmm. and in the emotion that I was supposed to feel wasn't deep because I don't feel the stakes watching this. I don't I don't understand why it's so cool that there's a first class of Starfleet. Like if I haven't watched the rest of Star Trek, like I understand, right? The Starfleet Academy is like where the cadets come from. It's pretty yeah. important, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe tell me how the Starfleet officers have been rejuvenated up to this point, right? Or even, or even like let's look at Starfleet Academy. Like we mentioned that it exists and like that it's yep. back and then we just don't, like no one cares about it. And it's, it's just It's, it's not just in a group episode. of cadets. So let's talk about like how hard it was to bring in professors or how Starfleet Academy is going to get, you know, a diverse crew of recruits given Mm -hmm. that a lot of planets don't like Starfleet. Like, what does it mean to be a cadet in Starfleet Academy in a world where Starfleet itself is unpopular? Yeah, and and like Earth is not a a member and and, and things like that. And so we didn't didn't get that depth, in my opinion. And I... I just, I, you know, there's so much out there. And like, this is why I keep saying, if I hadn't read Wonderlands... I think I might have forgiven some of this, but like now I know what the possibility can be. And that's not necessarily a great book, by the way, either, as we've discussed on this Mm -hmm. podcast. But it does a better job, I think, of this stuff. Um, One other thing I'll call out at this point that happened around this point of the episode and then we see the president actually speaking is there seems to be this like undercurrent. I don't know if it's just going to be one episode, two episodes, or if it's going to be a season long arc that Burnham doesn't like the president. And what that made me think of is the yeah. South Park episode, Lysecapades, where there's a lice infestation at the South Park school. And we see the lice and there's an evil vice president. And throughout the episode, it's Mr. Vice President. And it's just like this like <laughs> evil president thing. I am. I did not connect with that plot point. Okay. And by the way, one quick thing. The go president ahead. played by Kala or Chala Horsdal, 
who is who played Helen Smith in Man from the High Castle. Incredibly talented actress. I'm really glad they've got her in Star Trek. Well, I, I I think I I I will disagree with you on that point. I I, I think especially on my rewatching of this. I'm not sure if this is an evil president situation. I, I know that the episode, it, 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 this is definitely Burnham does not like the president. Um, but I, I think that we have at least shown some growth of her character over last season where I, I think that the, the uh, writers are comfortable having Burnham be wrong in certain situations like Burnham can still be an incredible badass that is able to sort of solve like ridiculously every single problem that uh, comes up uh, even ones that uh, theoretically she doesn't have any expertise in, but it's uh, I think that it's possible that uh, especially with um, how much they put into the, the backstory of this uh, character. I, I think I'm hoping at the very least that the president here is serving as a, yo, what if we had a good politician? And I, I think something that, that we could be kind of grading against right now is that so much of Star Trek is sort of building us up to distrust anyone who's unfamiliar, but like still part of Starfleet because they're probably a bad moral. They're probably like secretly with the Tal Shiar and are here to yeah. like undermine everything. And the, the a lot of the 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 criticisms that the president leveled at Burnham at the end, I think are actually fair. Yep. And 100%. I, and I think that uh, I, I could see a place where we start taking like the, even though it's frustrating to have sort of the, the anomaly that's going to destroy all sentient life again, uh, is like, even though that might be frustrating, I I'm wondering if they're setting up an actual Kobayashi Maru for Burnham. I mean, I know that that maybe that's kind of what this, just the planet blew up but she wasn't like thinking about the planet i I don't know if that that, i don't know if that really counts but i I feel like what i want burnham to have to go through is what deanna troy had to go through uh when she was in her command officer training where uh she there there's that that great scene where she's been trying to figure out a, a solution to like how how can we avoid i think it's a warp core breach that's going to happen and the answer is she needs to send Jordy to his death. And, and, and it's like, it, it doesn't matter if this person is your friend and that you respect them and that they have, like, there's so much that there's so many useful things that, that they, that they can do. Like they're incredible engineers. Like sometimes as a commander, you need to make the hard call and someone will need, will need to die with uh, die because of that. And I think that that's what the president is saying. And it, and it, it I honestly is something that uh, Burnham needs to get comfortable with. Yeah, and 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 so that's one one of that's one part of one of some of the parts of the episode that I do like right at the end where mm-hmm. Burnham gets a little bit of dressing down. But even before that, the way they introduced the president, it was there was so much there that was unsaid, which is good in a way, right? The whole um, um, Cardassian traits, but not pronounced. So obviously yeah. not fully Cardassian. I read somewhere. Bajoran uh, Cardassian. Yeah, Bajoran Cardassian and human was what uh, they talked about in the ready room. Right. Um, and so maybe they could have gone into that a little bit. And and remember us talking about this in season three and we felt like Vance could be a bad middle and where's the president and are they under arrest? And I mean, they don't have to cater the show to our podcast, but there was some <laughs> there was some opportunity there in, in like, you know, easing us into 
the continuity of um, you know of a civilian government uh, in the burn, which was kind of uh, a mist. So, um, but yeah, it's a big fan of um, um, Man the High Castle, or at least the initial seasons, and loved <laughs> Helen Smith's role there. Um, so, looking forward to her in in Discovery season four. Join us next week for uh, the Man in High's Castle. <laughs> We're switching podcasts. Oh God, no! I'm not watching that again. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, at least the initial seasons, yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, well, I'm wondering if uh, this might be a good place for us to, to take a quick break here and uh, join us again soon after some amount of audio queuing happen- happening. And uh, yeah, we'll and, talk to you all about this second part of what we're going to talk about. And, and Natch can take some deep breaths, relax, calm down, and come back to the <laughs> Well, we'll have him watch the episode again, and then he'll he'll, <laughs> he'll enjoy it this time. So, see you in a bit. Three dead, four wounded, and nine who get to go home. Never gets easier. Go by Ashimaru. You're Starfleet. No. Just flew cargo for my dad all over the sector. taught me the value in meeting people or circumstances where they are. The test is rigged, you know. Kobayashi Maru. They don't tell you that up front. So when you fail, you go back to your quarters and all you can think about is how you want to retake it. How you can be the one to beat it. Then you realize you never will. Yeah, hence the lesson. Acceptance. There are things beyond your control. As Captain, you mitigate that as much as possible. I can't mitigate life and death. I lead to bring everyone home. Leadership is about balance. Knowing what weight is yours to carry and what isn't. You just don't see that yet. Welcome back, everybody. It's it's us, and we're talking about Star Trek Discovery. Uh, yep, I'm someone's, I'm getting great at those transitions there. So uh, <laughs> someone's backing up right now. <laughs> I can hear the, the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 backing things up a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna try to to, to talk a little bit more positive positively about things and. Uh, in order to do that, we're gonna just like switch tracks entirely. So also, I'm not I'm not gonna be on the podcast from this point forward. I do want to make one point before we move on, which is that I went online. I read a bunch of the reaction threads on Reddit, in particular. I haven't stepped on Star Trek Twitter in a long time, but um, it, it's a good place. I just haven't. I don't use Twitter much these days. Anyway, but the the reviews, at least on the subreddits, discussion threads, seem to be positive. There are a lot of people out there who really like this episode. I know that that's something that most of you maybe or maybe some of you knew that that was true i just wanted to acknowledge that i know that and i know that my views are my own and that i don't obligate anyone to share them i feel very much like i think there's a sense sometimes when when a lot of people especially online criticize star trek they're like what you liked this how dare you (laughs) clearly you have not watched anything else in star trek you've been a fan only since 2010 and it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with that, number one, if you have been a fan since 2010. But also, 
don't obligate me to your views. So I just want you to know that that's not how I feel, that while my criticism might sometimes be blistering, I don't obligate you to feel that way, dear listener. Well, and and, and actually, uh, this is part of why <laughs> you mentioned it earlier, but we had a little chat with my mom of saying, uh, please, hopefully you disagree with us, uh, with us about this episode. Tell us some, something that you liked. And actually, um, I think she had a good point, is uh, that... There was something that that was really great here was was getting to see the growth that Sukal has made uh, since the end of season three because of the sort of mentorship and sponsorship that uh, that uh, Saru has been able to to give him. So I, I, how did how did you all feel about the um, those sort of those scenes uh, showing that between them? I like the whole. Um... Zindi council like, <laughs> multi species. Oh yeah, um, actually yeah. seeing the Baul per- participate in the. Yeah, um, yep. I appreciated yeah. the variations um, in in different uh, types of Kelpians. You could see that there were, yeah. there were races and all of that. So that was that was um, interesting. Um, there was a standard mix of doubt and hesitation versus um, you know uh, a broader, more. Um, uh, open-minded approach to to uh, foreign policy, or in this mm-hmm. case, uh, in inter interstellar policy, or whatever you may call it in the future. Um, I I felt Saru. It was great to see Saru again. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, almost a little relieving after the first few whatever scenes. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I again felt that um, and and carefully treading here. But I again felt his up leveling of why uh, you know the bigger picture matters was just like a, a geographic up leveling and not not a not a empowering up leveling where he's like okay this is just our planet and then there's the solar system and we share it with other planets but we don't know they're inhabited or not and and then there's the galaxy mm. suddenly like which is like a whole other scale <laughs> yeah, of yeah yeah it, it was a huge jump that he made right there i i was inspired by that speech so i i connect i think that's the one piece of dialogue in this episode i connected with and i am now cu- very curious about learning more about the kelpian species in a way i was a little alarmed that they're already hinting saru's gonna come back you know through sukal's dialogue yeah. i was like mm. no 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 let's see this cool stuff some neat stuff is happening here no no stay stay you know i want to see a little bit more about the kelpian council how have the kelpians developed from what we saw earlier in discovery mm-hmm. it's like ramshackle people afraid of their shadow to now a fully formed multi-species planet like i I'd love to see more, so I'm very curious. Well, and, and it, I guess it it is it is great to see that. Um, I mean, and this is what's what's so interesting about Discovery, sort of going 920 years in the future, is that we get to see the development of a lot of Star Trek societies in a way that we we don't really get to see in any of the other series because it, it's sort of a yes, we can learn a bit about the the alien of the week and how their planet has changed by the end of the episode because Picard gave a real good speech. But like the 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 amount that we have turned, like there are no two species that could have been further apart in terms of a partnership than the Baul and the Kelpians. Like it's it's not even on the level of what the Romulans and the Remans uh, were or, or the Romulans and the, and the Vulcans were. Like the, the Baul ate kelpians yeah and like it it was a predator prey relationship and actually one that was out of 
sort of the the fear of what the Kelpians could do because the Kelpians we, had the same relationship with the Ba'ul back in the day. Yeah, and and so to to see that it it wasn't just the Kelpians rose up and then defeated the Ba'ul and like it's just reversed the the power like they they are actually in dialogue with each other and I I think that that's I mean we we saw a hint of that in the 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 previous season with the um sort of the storybooks that Sukal was growing up with seeing the. Uh, sort of the, that meshing of legends of that the Baul were involved in sort of the um, the the mythology that he was growing up with, and it wasn't in a like terrifying uh, situ- uh, uh, Man, portrayal. That was so cool. Yeah, and, but it, so I I just I I love that we are yeah we're we're getting to getting to see that reconciliation happening, and it's, it's actually built a sort of a united culture out of that, and it's 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 great to. To see stuff like that in Star Trek, especially in this um, occasionally kind of grim, dark uh, uh, sci-fi future that Discovery gives us, um, so it's uh, yeah. I, I, I uh, kudos to my mom for uh, for for point, pointing that out to us that it was a a, a great arc there. Um, I guess uh, something else that I, I mean, it, it's it's probably the the most. Uh, Maybe this. Well, I, I guess I can't say which one is the most important. But something that was dealt with a, has a big chunk of the time is uh, we need to go over and uh, address this space station that seems to be spinning out of control. And um, there is at least a good reason for why Discovery is the one to do it because uh, things are far away, and we still only have one ship that can uh, appear instantly anywhere. So I. Uh, I guess what, what what were your 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 takes on um, sort of what was happening and and like how how the how that was going to be resolved? Well, before that, it was it was nice to see. Well, it was interesting to see how Burnham didn't want uh, President uh, Relicto accompany yeah, her, yeah, and, and and she couldn't fight that, and so there was there was some. Some potential there, some opportunity. Um, like you said, bad Merle, somebody looking over your shoulder, all of that, and then they and they warp in, and then they see this thing. It's it's literally like spinning like a top in on uh, um, beyond more than one axis, and I was just wondering if they could have played the Blue Danube, uh, two thousand one Space Odyssey style, and it's like <laughs> <laughs> um, really spilling weirdly. Um, yeah, it's it's. There was a lot going on, right? There was there was a lot yeah. going on, and it was interesting on how like they were trying to show how how um, perceptive and focused and keen eyed Burnham is, and like in the whole uh, transmission, like within the first ten seconds of the transmission, she's like, "Oh, zoom into that bottom right hand thing," and that's a spatial distortion. It was, it was oh again, yeah yeah a bit of a leap I felt, but okay, cool. Yeah, um, that 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 that's fine. Um, I really liked. Um, Commander Nalas, um, I recognized him from another show. Um, oh, really? If, if if y'all have watched Kim's Convenience, um, it's um, it's a comedy show. It's a Canadian yeah. comedy show, and he is uh, Enrique, the the uh, one of the one of the customers, the uh, the gay customer, I think. Uh, he's there in the pilot also, I think. Um, and that's that's your Commander Nalas, and it's wow. Um, it's a, it's a pity that uh, I didn't connect that at all. <laughs> um, yeah, there's something very familiar about him. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's a pity that they just introduced a character to uh, disintroduce him. But 
<laughs> but I, I mean that that's that's classic Star Trek. I, 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 <laughs> the, uh, that that does seem to be one of one of our classic tropes is uh, uh, <laughs> introduce and then disintroduce. And those character. initial dampers were really dampers were really working well because that thing was spinning like crazy, and he, he all his all his transmissions and all his messages were um were were pretty yeah. stable and then they showed these in, upside down shots with kind of made like connected the dots there but yeah yeah it, it was actually that was actually one of the things that that felt a little bit weird to me like oh it i mean the gravity is not that bad it's just that we're upside down <laughs> like <laughs> i was expecting to have to do lots of like oh and now the gravity is going to be to the left and so we all fall that way and then but we've already done that scene uh several times so um i guess the uh I think that that's an interesting point about the the president that you made. Um, I, I mean, the the reality is Star Trek has never really shown us like what the purpose of the Federation president is beyond to be almost assassinated. Um, and I think maybe there's like a couple other episodes where the president like even appears and it, uh, or like that we know that it's, uh, we know that they haven't uh, always been human or maybe even like traditionally human. So I, I don't know how the president is necessarily chosen, but I, I think it's, it's interesting to have the president there to give pushback. And also I think it it's without doing like an, an explicit lore dump about it. We're learning a little bit about what the powers of the president might be. Uh, so the, there's some, so like, I don't know if there's necessarily like a commander in chief type of relationship, but the president seems to be able to have the ability to be where she wants to be and maybe has the ability to remove a captain if necessary and is also involved in sort of selection of captains for for certain roles. So th- I, I think that was interesting to um, to get to explore that a little bit just because it's been glossed over for so much of Star Trek. So, by the way, I just wanted to throw out a name since we were talking about him. Rodrigo Fernandez Stoll, who played uh, Nalus. Uh, on the repair station Deep Space Six, I believe that's what was is the name of the station there. Um, mm. I thought that that sequence was a little frenetic, and it had it had good things in there. I think I enjoyed seeing the president talk down Nalus. I did not then enjoy. Oh, were you lying right afterwards? <laughs> um, but <laughs> I enjoyed. I enjoyed kind of seeing the politician politic a way out of a problem. I appreciated that. Like I, I thought it was it was really cool. Which, by the way, Odin Farah back as Vance. Hell yeah, love the man. Yes. Um, so his point earlier about like there are places, there's a place for politicians in this world and people who talk well, and to see that get played out was fantastic. The thing that I think another thing that I enjoyed was the kind of the sequence about Adira and Tilly coming on board and Nalus kind of getting his hackles up. I kind of like that because you know you you wal- you see that these Star Trek officers sometimes waltz in and they're treated like royalty. It was kind of nice to see yeah. someone be like, "No, this is my station." So I appreciated that. I did. I won't say I to fully appreciated the way that it played out of the writing around it, but the concept was kind of cool. I like the spinning station. So so there were elements there that, that I did like. Um, I will say that the whole. action sequence and resolution of that whole situation flew straight over my head i didn't really understand i think it it wasn't as clear and like 
you know, to your point in our last episode about Prodigy, we were watching this with other people in a place where maybe the sound wasn't super easy to understand. Mm-hmm. But people are going to watch Discovery in that setting. You're not you're not like us where we like sit with our headphones on, watch the episode twice typically to discuss it. Yeah, You're not going to be in that setting. So for me to not understand how that situation got resolved, and I'm not even going to talk about Burnham and what Burnham did in that whole sequence. Y'all can do that. Uh, but like the the pieces of the puzzle, like what was driving every decision, like why the, the the escape pods were gone and why Burnham went in that thing and then why they crashed into the ship at the end. I didn't get it. Like, and I'm sure yeah. like I could go back and watch it and I will, and I will understand what exactly what happened. But my point is that should be clear. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I agree with you there. So I, I did rewatch it. Um, but honestly, a lot of it, still went over my head for exactly what was happening uh i mean like i I know the mechanics of of what happened so like one thing that that i caught on this on the rewatch was that the uh there's that that piece that collides with discovery right before they jump my initial read was like oh the shuttle that they were in crashed into uh, uh discovery and they just happens to be on the part that went inside so it's lucky that like uh adira isn't just like floating in space dead <laughs> um and, and like in thousands of light years away or whatever after they jump but um the uh like what happened there was the shuttle successfully landed and a piece of the station collided with discovery while they jumped um but it's uh I I I think you're you're right there because it, it's sort of a there's definitely like techno babble about that there's some we need programmable matter and uh oh this whatever this is is very temperamental so like maybe it's going to explode or something but it's it's sort of unclear as to quite what's going on uh, I I I get the sense that because of those um there it's uh, suddenly these chunks of methane ice start uh getting launched into this or this debris field starts uh uh, a sort of heading for the station and discovery that I think it throws into uh, it throws the entire plan out of whack so that there is an or- original goal of let's stabilize the station to make sure that everything's going okay and now it's just we're going to die and we need to figure out how to get everyone out safely uh, so the maybe it kind of doesn't matter what they were trying to achieve moment to moment uh, but it's just things went wrong and we had to change it to an escape scenario um, or a rescue, like rescue and uh, uh, escape scenario. Um, I, yes. I guess something that I, that I appreciated here is we, we got to see more of a, a really confident Tilly uh, in, in this scene. Uh, and I, and I think that it it's, it's nice seeing Tilly, get to have more of that gravitas that uh, as we've had this character arc of she's going through the command program to, to one day be a captain. And and I, I felt, I felt that in this episode. Yeah. And maybe touch upon what you, what you just said. I've, I've been inspired a little to go watch that part again. So, so I will, especially the dynamics of the discomfort between Nalas and Tilly and, Mm-hmm. And Adira and, and and the three of them, um, I've I, I didn't quite understand it. Not, uh, just just like Nash and I was, I was I think they were trying to make the rest of it very much techno babble. Like, hey, this is techno babble. There's a problem, mm-hmm. but but focus on these 
personality dynamics. Yeah. And and I couldn't really catch on to those. So then I kind of fell back and trying to understand the techno level and I couldn't. So it was, I was kind of lost. The original premise, which was like, hey, there's a gravimetric or whatever distortion, which is creating debris. Mm-hmm. And then that debris looks like it's, you know, it's not just small debris, it's big debris. They mentioned something called the Oort cloud, which is like, a, a, you know, a bunch of um, particles or uh, asteroids or, or mm-hmm. portions of rock that are just at the edge of a star system, right? We have one um, surrounding our, our solar system as well. It kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go back and watch that part. One thing I wanted to call out was, what did you all feel about the 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 shuttle? That was have we seen that kind before? The the one with the full glass cockpit and um, I I I found it interesting. It was I kind of liked it. It was not very Star Trek sleek. It was more. Are bubble. you are you are you are you referring to the worker bee? Uh, oh, sorry, the worker bee. The worker bee. Yeah. yeah, yeah so we yeah. we have seen uh, the worker bee in season one. Uh, ah. That ha- and I believe it had a similar type of shape, uh, but they might have even been yellow um i'm not 100 percent sure but with, isn't uh, this the future or like or was yeah it like... yeah uh, it, it, it but i'm what i'm meaning is that some of the shape was still present in that previous uh. worker bee um and uh because that's where uh we got the um a klingon recording device uh out of uh a debris field in the mirror oh. universe uh what that um uh Ash Tyler was able to to get out with some of Burnham's help, but um, it it uh, actually yeah. the reason I brought it up was it actually looked a little bit like um, the shuttles in a show that was created uh, by Gene Roddenberry as well called Earth Final Conflict. Um, if you have oh. seen it, the Talon shuttle. I'm just pasting a picture of it um, in the notes. If you guys wanna. Um, scroll down and have a oh, look. Oh, yeah, I can I can see that a little bit with the little front thingamajigs. Um, mm-hmm. A decent show, I liked it. Um, a few seasons, but yeah, that that's uh, that's all I remember from uh, spinning station rescue uh, difficulties. Uh, so, yeah, let l- let me let me dial into a moment that I thought illustrated some of my other issues here, which is that. The second Nalus started talking about how excited he was to go home right before the rescue, I was like, this dude's going to die. Five minutes later, he's dead. <laughs> and, you know... Had, had some had some uh, real Arium energy going on there. Yeah, man. It's, it's kind of like... I... Yeah, I guess they were trying to make us feel the impact of his dying more or something. I don't know. Like, maybe they were just trying to fill dead space. Whatever it was, it came off as very, very contrived. And there are other moments of writing. We talked about one in our Prodigy episode that I won't retread if you've heard that episode already. But there were just a lot of lore dumps here. One of them had to do with Greytal, where where Deidre and Grey are talking. And there's all this dialogue about, it'd be great when you're real and you have a body again and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. Thanks, thanks for thanks for telling me that. I, I appreciated us spending a few seconds on this, um, and it felt like that over and over through the episode. The president says, "I served on a cargo ship with my father," like two twice, times. Yeah, and it's 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 just. just twice? <laughs> I remember more than that. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I just I've said this before. I just want them to trust me as a viewer and to be like, I've brought them along. I'm mm-hmm. there. I'm with you, Discovery. Um, writers and if i'm not like just leave me hanging because it'll make me curious to go like the thing y'all just did with the worker bee mm-hmm. you know 
I found out something new. And if I was curious about the work of Yad, I've gone and looked it up. Yeah. Right? Like, you don't need to tell me, like, you just need to show Admiral Vance with two random people, one of whom vaguely looks his age and is female, and the other one who vaguely looks younger. Um, and I will assume that they're the wife and child. I mean, and if yeah. I don't know who they are, I'll, I might go on Memory Alpha and be like, Vance seen with... People yeah, it, look... and similar with uh, like Star Trek Beyond was that, like we also had the the Sulu with his family scene, but it wasn't like a, hey, do you see Sulu with his husband there? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so like it was just there was just a lot of like that kind of thing, like the whole Bryce thing with uh, Lieutenant. What is it, McCullough? Is it, it was it's the name of the replacement to Bryce on the bridge? I mean, that's a great name. So even if it isn't. <laughs> I'm fine with it. We've changed. We've changed the name. <laughs> Lieutenant Christopher. Christopher. Uh, Lieutenant Christopher. You know, it's kind of convenient that Bryce walked up to him right when our cameras were on the crew and been like, well, I'm a consultant on this other ship, so I'm really glad you're filling in for me. And it's like, come on, writer people. Like, you don't... Just, just bring me along. It's okay. Trust me. I just want you to trust me. Yeah. But... What about Quaijan, man? Like, are we, yeah. I was about to go into a rant Quaijan. about Quaijan, and then I stopped myself because <laughs> I, I, why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't I just keep my mouth shut? I, I, I mean, uh, Quaijan is definitely one of the ones that you might have uh, uh, missed if you had a, a room full of people and uh, were were a little bit distracted. But we, so we, it seems like we have sort of a coming of age ceremony that's happening with uh, with Book's nephew. Um, because I think that's this that's the relationship that they have i it it's one of those things where like uh I'm still a little bit fuzzy on on book's exact background uh mostly just because it's it's a little distracting whenever we go to Quajon because everyone is the most beautiful person you've ever seen uh so I'm just like staring at book's face and then I'm staring at I think his brother's face and I'm just like this is great I'm having a good time it, it does but... have the yellow filter <laughs> Quajon, right. Yeah, yeah. So it happens in in Hollywood, Mexico, <laughs> or the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, Quaijan. <laughs> Which, whichever one works for the the scene that we're trying to do, that 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 it's all good. Uh, but yeah, it's. Um, I mean, on, on watching it again, it, it's definitely a let's go have a, a Quaijan scene because we're gonna blow it up. So it needs. <laughs> so we need to be sad about it. But um, th- there was one thing that I that I thought that I think is worth pointing out. Um, right before uh, Quajon explodes, so we we have uh, th- we've seen some signs of disturbances on that planet, uh, like the birds are going crazy or whatever analog there are for birds. Um, and uh, uh, when Book is is coming up and see and the moon is about to explode, he calls back to. Uh, to his his brother and says uh that they like that he needs to get out and take leto who i guess we have the kid named after leto atreides so another dune callback great um uh he says to get him to safety if if get him to safety is a bunker underground he's dead um (laughs) but it's possible that they are still alive and and i think that that might be an interesting way to connect sort of some of these these dots in in future episodes because it's uh i'm glad I, you I brought that up um yeah i i, I, not I don't make that connection yeah i i don't i don't know if there's a um i 
that I have that much connection with with Book and his planet because we we sort of were very vague about what Book's origins were at the beginning of the season until we had like the very special Quajon episode, and then we didn't worry about it ever again after that. So it, it's a I, I think having more people to connect him with and sort of like experience the loss of the planet together uh, can be an interesting way, place for us to go in future episodes that are going to be better than the than the uh, season opener. Yeah, it, it it was the shallow the shallow aspect I noted earlier. I don't want to use the word shallow, but the lack of depth. Kind of felt it at the end when the planet was just like it moved a hundred thousand kilometers and it was sort of coming apart. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm supposed to feel terrible about this, but I am just so what okay." And I didn't even connect a bit about him, um, him telling his his brother and his you know presumed nephew to escape because I was like, "Yep, they're all done for, right?" That you could. You can see tectonic cracks and like it's it's basically coming apart. So there's nobody, um, yeah, surviving the, the, that. Yeah, there's there's nothing on the planet that's going to be alive still. And that kind of dread when you when you get when you see a whole planet get hit, right? Whether it's um, uh, uh, Star Wars with the Death Star taking out Princess Leia's planet, or even the Enterprise situation, right? Where um, they 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 light up the atmosphere and. It, it wasn't here, so it was uh, very unfortunate. Um, and and I guess those worm-like creatures from from the last season, they're all done for, right? Uh, Must uh, be, yeah. yeah. Book will feel double guilty because he brought things over to quit. So I, I just <laughs> I just was really sad that they didn't have like a Reese going like, Sir, I have confirmed the location of Fractus, sir, but... I cannot oh. confirm the existence of Quajon, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and Sulu's like, my God. And, and then we, we got some like book species, but we're Quajon, Quajon, like that Soviet guy comes on. We have no need for your assistance. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. But uh, fine, fine tradition of blowing planets up on Star Trek. And we got another one. Yeah, I, and I mean, if if they, they they took my advice with, like, just blow up the damn ship. So if you just blow up the damn planet, like, maybe we can, we'll feel something. There were a lot of ships on the planet. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah so it, it, it took us to a dangerous place. Um, a quick, quick, um, trying to make sense of this question. Do you think it was the same gravimetric distortion, or were these, like, was that, that that's probably what happened, right, with the... Um, was yeah, like this smoky debris kind of thing approaching, and the birds were kind of falling out of the sky. Yeah, so again, not able to connect all of that, but yeah, it, um, it control has created a, a gravimetric distortion, <laughs> and it's come to ruin the the season. Ash Tyler oh somehow involved. <laughs> I mean, gravimetric gravimetric distortions can be the result of time travel there or cause go. time travel. So Ash Tyler could be here. Yeah, you know, just on that topic, I, I really, I would have appreciated an, a season just of rebuilding the Federation and Starfleet, and maybe that's what we're going to get. I hope this, mm-hmm. gra- I hope that the trailer has severely overplayed the role of these gravimetric distortions. If it's just a thing that takes discovery from place to place to check in, and we get to see more of this other side, and it just becomes mm-hmm. kind of a side plot, a vehicle for us to move through the season terrific that's great even you know some of this exploration as the president is doing a burnham savior complex 
I would like that if the if this gravimetric distortion is a way to explore that and just every week we get like five seconds of like blah 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 happened with the gravity distortion techno babble techno babble okay now we can worry about the a plot yeah and I mean I we, had, like we had a little bit of that with with the burn of like uh uh, making us increasingly worried that it was going to be that uh, we were going to have to listen to some stupid rock song and like that was going to be the <laughs> thing that caused the burn, um, and and it and it didn't like we just that that it was just kind of got dropped. It, it was love it was, all along. It was love all along. The Wait, real burn said, is the friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> when you said some stupid rock song, I'm sorry you have to do this, and I do it at great risk. But don't set us off. Don't hit that button, man. Um. um uh, nice for the Archer Doc call. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yes. Oh yeah, and and actually, um, since we're uh we're 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 talking about that that ship, I I'm wondering if that was uh the Voyager that was in uh the dock there because it, it's sort of an intrepidish shape, very bulbous because it's the future, but um kind of like the uh, protostar as well, right? You know, kind of in there. Yeah, yeah m- m- maybe a, a a little bit. They're they're sort of more of a like we're pointing in multiple directions or, or whatever um but there was sort of a uh a a line at the end when the the cat when the the president was talking to burnham uh mentioned that there are a couple of of prototype uh drives that they're working on one of them is a a new uh an updated spore drive um and then the other one is a pathway uh drive that uh is is going to be installed in the the Voyager and that that mm. is the uh, I believe that is the the captaincy that she is evaluating people for uh, oh. Burnham is off of that list but we there is another captain that is just waiting around without a ship at the moment and that's Saru uh, so I have a question why is Burnham eager to leave Discovery after it's all family Discovery strong or whatever the, the well Burnham is. Burnham isn't Burnham uh, one of the the points that Burnham says is like First of all, I wouldn't even take your offer, even if you did give it to me, because okay. I so love. So she wasn't excited in the first place. No, she so she wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's it's a, um, but yeah, it's a uh, sort of the the president says that commanding from a personal place, uh, from a place of personal need, places others in harm's way. Today, you were prepared to sacrifice the many to save the few. Everyone could have died. Uh, and just said that one day they might. This is precisely the kind of Pyrrhic victory Kobayashi Maru trains you to avoid. And I, I, I think that we're seeing some wisdom from the president. And I think it'll it, it'll be interesting to see if we really, if we split this show a bit and have a, uh, like, Saru above the Voyager J, uh, maybe even with Bryce uh, as part of that that crew, uh, maybe there there's interesting dynamics we can explore about the what decisions he's making and how it, it differs from what Burnham makes and you, how they can you, learn from you each other. You want my favorite Discovery character to become a side character. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, no, I in all seriousness, I think you're right. I think there are some interesting things that could happen if your sh- show is not just about, I mean, you know, Discovery has upended so many conventions of Star Trek. Why don't it make it about two ships rather than just one? Yeah, I, you know? I, I think that that it, it could be a really interesting place to take the show if we kind of like keep... I mean, we started yeah. out with two ships. We had the Shenzo and the Discovery. Obviously, we blew one up. I don't think we're going to blow up the Discovery and then just be like, it's Voyager, Voyager 2. It's it's back, it's, y'all. It's not like the show hasn't taken hard lifts before. So, you know, we can, we can do it again. 
Um, it, I has mean, taken, it has taken three hard lefts, and we're right back where right. we started, I think. <laughs> I want to go back to the Archer Duck. That was the Archer theme, which is the end theme of Enterprise that we heard kind yeah. of toodling along. I was extremely disappointed that I couldn't regale two other friends who probably don't give a shit about It's Been a Long Road. I couldn't start singing it out loud. That was really my criticism. Zero out of ten rating for this episode because it didn't include It's Been a Long Road. They could yeah, have at least done yeah. it at the closing credits. You know, we blew up Quajon, but you know what? It's been a long road since that it's other time we blew up a show road. or blew up a uh, a planet. Uh, but sorry, uh, I tried not oh to. God. I couldn't. Oh, oh my god! Okay, I'm, uh, I'm gonna stop. I'm really okay. gonna stop. So uh, the uh, anyhow, I I I guess is there anything else that anyone wants to to mention here before we wrap up with our takes I, or I know with we, our ratings. I, I know we wanted this to get way better and we're all hoping for it. But any ideas on where this goes, guys? Like, what's the, what's the first uh, cut-in scene? Episode 2. Uh, Everything that they've come up with so far can still loop back to all of the things that we want to see, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I think you're right there. Like, we we could have this be about rebuilding the Federation, about, like, having difficult... Uh, relationships with with sort of cultures and, and peoples that we've abandoned as the Federation and sort of learning how, how do we ha- like recapture some of that hope and some of that uh, wisdom in a world that uh, is out of our control a lot of the time because it, the so much of, of 90s Star Trek was uh, and maybe all of the other Star Treks is just is the, the Federation at the height of its power and it we're, I mean, we're, we're challenged occasionally by the big bad of the season or, or, or the week, but the, the, the post burn society is one where there are fundamental challenges and, and scarcity that the Federation has to deal with. And it'll be really interesting to see if we're able to recapture like why the Federation is good, even when you do have to make tough calls and everything isn't for free. Um, and I'm just, uh, I, I think that discovery has a place to provide a lot of hope, even for our current time where like, we don't really understand the world that we're in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And uh, maybe we, they can help us uh, sort of think through a path forward. Couple of notes that I want to make about alien species names. The, the butterfly people were the Alshane from Alshane four and Nalus was an Akos Zonam, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. This is the same species as that little girl from the short trek Children of Mars, the one where, ah. uh, you know, those two girls are in school. Well, one of them is an Akos Zonam, same species as Nalus, and um, they, fi- they got a name finally. They didn't have a name until this episode, I believe. Yeah, do, uh, do you think she knows about the Fishers of Jirat? Uh, you... you straight over my head <laughs> i don't know about the fishers <laughs> well uh, if you ha- if you googled uh googled her while you were talking to her the way the president did then uh you would know about them too oh yeah the, the stuff that <laughs> nalus had like on its planet and all that stuff yes <laughs> stuff that was potentially lied about yes uh which again it doesn't care it doesn't matter burnham because it it saved saved everyone's lives <laughs> seriously freaking seriously um yeah uh, i i think uh, i'll just uh 
close out with one more memorable moment for me. Uh, can you can you please stop rotating this damn camera? <laughs> uh, I, I, I feel like Discovery has, I, I think in all of the seasons, there there's like one of those scenes where we're just like, everyone's just standing there. Why do I need to like rotate seven Ooh. times and then like also flip my angle so that I... Uh, the, well, this, they built a jig for that item, and they gotta keep using it. Okay, yeah, the, I, the return on investment is still pretty low. <laughs> Great. Uh, with with that, uh, what, I, let's. I think it's time for some strange new ratings. What do you all think? Who's gonna go first? Um, I'll go. So uh, it's 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 gonna take a beating. Unfortunately, uh, probably be my lowest score in this podcast. Uh, I was thinking of giving it a four or a five. Um, and, and usually, you know, through conversations we reserve for, we reserve scores lower than that for, you know, inappropriateness and, you know, mm. stuff that was, but, and, and I know they took a lot of effort and it's a pilot and so much, you know, production, um, um, effort, but that kind of makes it a little worse, right? You put so much into it and it's not <laughs> connecting it. Um, so actually I'm gonna give it a three and a half, uh, absconding Aditya Sahils out of 10. <laughs> and uh here's here's fingers crossed uh, it um it uh you know um salvaging itself over the next couple of episodes yeah i mean i'm i'm still somewhat split about that um part of me thinks you know like you're saying it should those those bottom three ratings like i'm thinking like a, a zero or a one is like your court of honor type you know, extraordinarily offensive. I will burn this episode and try to forget it exists. A two or three is probably like your thresholds of this world, which just make absolutely no sense and are kind of weird and bad in terms of how they portray science. So, so sub Rosa is an example, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I think, I think one zero, one, two, three don't have any redeeming qualities, and I think this episode did have some redeeming qualities. It did do some things right. It brought in characters that we've loved and appreciated. You know, the Kelpie and stuff was great. I mentioned Vance's appearance was great. Uh, it gets seven points reduced from whatever I was going to rate it because of atrocious uniforms. By the way, they look worse than I thought they would. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, not a fan <laughs> at all. And I well, hope... at least we had seven other uniforms that we debuted at the same time. Exactly. So, like, maybe <laughs> hopefully they stay in those like leather whatever thing that Burnham was wearing and get rid of these blocky things. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Least important thing in the show, probably. But I think I'm going to go with a four here. Um, I, you could probably talk me lower, but I'll stick with my four right now. Yeah, I I, I think I I was. Uh on my first viewing i was th- i was feeling like kind of two-ish energy but i i think you you have a good point that there there's there's room to go even lower uh, <laughs> so uh and and actually uh, on on the rewatch there i got a lot more out of the episode um but i think it still is going to fit in that that five range for me or that four range rather okay. i almost gave it the wrong the wrong rating uh it's a, it's a four for me uh it was just it was severely disappointing in a lot of ways i mean i kind of ex- like all the disappointments make sense to me from how things have gone. It's just, I, maybe that, that makes it all the, um, all the more disappointing is when it kind of, uh, just falls flat in the ways that I, uh, have been frustrated and have expected it to. So there we go. <laughs> um, with that, uh, I think, uh, it's time for the end credits here. So I'm going to thank my co-hosts, uh, Rudy and Notch, uh, just, 
thanks for uh, watching this with me and then uh, just joining me here on this um, uh, episode experience where we all try to be positive. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> <Thank> try. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Adam. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks thank so you. much. Thank and you. Uh, thank you, listeners. Uh, I... I hope that uh, if you are someone who who really and truly enjoyed this episode, one that you haven't like deleted us, uh, <laughs> but two that I like I, I I would be really interested to hear uh, if you like reach out and tell us like what you liked about this episode, or even if you uh, want to join the hate brigade uh, along with us and like say say what was bad. Like I'm fine with that too. I I'm I'd be interested to just hear other people's perspective on this because. Um, yeah, I think this is a challenging way to start the season, and uh, I I guess we'll we'll see where things go from here. Um, also, thanks to Jishnu Guha for our theme music. It's, I mean, just make a podcast, y'all, and then find one of your friends who can play something great and like make that your theme. Like it's it's amazing. Uh, so uh, the other thing is, um, I want to uh, thank our missing co-hosts. Uh, Emily, Max, Dinah, and Bill, wherever y'all are, whatever y'all are doing, I hope it's a good time. Uh, and I want to give a very special thanks to Sakal for writing himself out of the plot so Saru can go back to Starfleet and become captain of the USS Voyager J. It was really considerate of you to do that. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. I was just going to say, what if Sakal, like, misses Saru and starts screaming again, and we get double burn? Two two burns don't make a right. (laughs) Two burns doesn't make a hard right. (laughs) 